0: You are listening to the crit def podcast with matt jt and special guest kyler it is august 17th 2020 it has been more than six months since our last podcast super apologies for everyone uh we had hoped that our normal style of meeting in person having many beers and recording would be coming back at some point. We still have that hope, but we've realized that now with new content, we cannot wait any longer. So we are bringing you your first ever remotely recorded Crypt Def episode. What do you got for us, Matt?
1: Well, first off, thank you so much for everyone tuning back in. It is such a pleasure to finally be back. And just as JT said, he hit the nail on the head. We couldn't wait any longer. There's so much exciting stuff going on and I think we had to make do. uh, Move past, you know, the whole medium person thing, and just record online, and even still, is so good to hear you guys' voices. And one voice, I'm sure you guys uh, will realize by this point, is missing is Corey, and that's because we had a couple technical difficulties. But fear not because we have called in an emergency sub and as Kyler uh, from the, you've seen him all over the Discord. He's been involved in the Vassal clashes. Um, love him or hate him, we mostly <laughs> love him. <laughs> but Kyler, welcome man, how are you doing? Thanks, you bud,
2: man, yeah, it was kind of good timing. I was uh, kind of had an hour to spare, so I'm
0: glad to jump in, man.
1: And It's a pleasure to have you. So it's been six months since our last recording. That's crazy to think about.
0: Yeah, no, definitely a uh, super dry spell for us.
1: Yeah, understandably so of course. How's everyone holding up?
2: I, I'm uh I, I was doing better at first at the beginning of COVID, but then, you know, sick or four kids is a little uh the house <laughs> just gets small really quickly. So
1: oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can feel you on that one. Um actually i think i had the bigger shock at the early stages and i've kind of settled into it since then for me uh i've only got to deal with one little hellion running around um (laughs) so i can't imagine dealing with four but yeah i I definitely uh it's it's a whole new world and i'm starting to get used to it still don't like everything about it but parts
1: of it are nice definitely gas prices are nice. (laughs) <laughs> Gas prices are nice, yeah. And they start to climb a little bit. But Not that sorry. you're really
2: going anywhere, but, you know, they're nice to have.
1: <laughs> just a drive to the grocery store and yeah, back. Just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been uh, quarantined at home uh, with my girlfriend, actually. And most people think, oh, you know, it's a terrible idea because you're going to. Wind up breaking up their girlfriend or something like that, but actually, it's been really awesome and a great opportunity for us to get to know each other. And the fact that we haven't wanted to rip each other's throats out by this point says a lot about how we uh, work together. So, I'm actually really, really excited about that. It's really cool. I'm grateful for her being around and in my life. So, um, in the first two months, I think I quarantined at home, kind of same as everyone else. Then my work started to open back up, and I've actually been doing a lot of traveling for work since then. So um, you know, grateful that I haven't gone sick and that my family's gone sick. I'm glad to hear that you guys are pretty much in the same boat. So I hope everyone of our listeners is also doing well. One of the big things last that we talked about uh, was the grand scuffle. Uh, we left off with that back in February and we had high hopes that we we're going to do it pretty soon in the springtime and then kind of got moved to the summer. And now, uh, understandably so, I think we're postponing it until further notice. We don't exactly have a date yet. JT, can you fill us in any details with that?
0: Um, so I can give you some details about the situation, not necessarily around a future date for us. Um, So obviously, in-person events have pretty much stopped um, in a lot of the places. Um, I know some are starting in Europe to come back a little bit, but here in the U.S., you know, we're uh, we're not so bright, so we're still a little risky. Um, the store that was going to be hosting us has had, I believe, two 40k events with limited attendance, mask wearing, all that stuff. So there is a possibility of having it, but I do want to make sure that it is. As comfortable for everybody that wants to attend as possible so we are still gonna work out the details uh, I'm hoping for this fall that it'll be happening um, I haven't gotten back with the store on the scheduling and we have had radio silence from a uh, games workshop in terms of the um, grand clash no what's the one below grand clash
1: uh grand skirmish
0: grand skirmish package so at this point it might be a homebrew sport only which i do have are uh acrylic objective markers uh that Corey specially designed and i've had those cut and i've got those ready to go so i do want to have this sometime in 2020 before those become irrelevant right <laughs> um, so yeah so I know travel is gonna to be tough for a lot of people um, we're in Georgia so southeast United States I'm hoping to still to get some representation from other folks I know we got a couple guys that usually come in from Alabama um, South Carolina chimes in every now and then I don't think I've seen any of them in a tournament yet though um, mm-hmm. But. If you're giving us a listen and you're in the southeast and you have interest, um, feel free to just keep listening to the podcast. Um, go to the Gigabytes Cafe website. Um, once we do have details, it will be listed there. Uh, and that's about all I can do at the moment for you.
1: Yeah, definitely, and of course, everything within precautions too. You know, don't uh, come out if you feel that like there's any type of uh, risk to yourself or other patrons, and uh, you know, everything needs to be uh, prioritized with safety in mind. So, yeah. we definitely are taking that as 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 seriously as we possibly can. So that's why we're trying to postpone this as far as we can, um, hopefully to the point where we have some good news that it's actually safer when to come back out again.
0: Yep. And on that note, um, I don't know how everybody else has been doing it, but here locally, we have definitely instituted a no touching other people's stuff rule. So um, I think it's been relatively well uh, established that there is very little um, issue with physical contact, but still just an extra precaution, especially with some of you uh, sweaty, unshowered folks out there.
1: <laughs> is, this a, is this a dig at uh, any, anyone local?
0: No, no, no. Just in general, you know, it's it's the stereotype of the community. It's nobody in general.
1: Corey, <laughs> I was definitely going to say Corey's not here trash talking all we want right now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So with that in mind, though, one of the workarounds that the community has come up with ever since the pandemic, uh, obviously, we can't have in-person games so a lot of games have actually been going to online we've had a tabletop simulator um you know Warhammer underworlds online and then the most popular spot i would definitely say is the vassal community um there's been a number of vassal clashes vassal tournaments little skirmishes and stuff like that and if i'll say you know one hundred percent. If it wasn't for the Vassal community, I think this game wouldn't be dead, but definitely be dormant. I think we'd be in some type of like form of hibernation right now. <laughs> but thanks to Vassal, um, you yeah, know, we've or been we can going all strong.
0: The, uh, JWR plan of webcam games.
1: Oh yeah, webcam games. Um, I I still haven't tried one of those out. I mean, it's probably fun. I don't know, but not exactly for me. I don't think. But uh, Kyler, that's where you come in, man. <laughs> are, are you? <laughs> yeah uh, you I mean, know you been... you i think you and and uh zach have been the most active members of our little uh you know atlanta meta on the vassal discord so tell us uh, a little bit about that
2: yeah man i've been having a lot of fun on there it's been uh i've also i've met a bunch of people which is kind of fun you, you hear about them in the podcast like uh uh jimmy and, and duncan and all those people and i've really enjoyed playing people from other countries other play styles coming from other metas Uh, you just kind of learn a lot versus Mm -hmm. you can kind of get wrapped up in I think uh, your own local meta and so you know cards that you're so used to seeing slash not seeing you all of a sudden are not seeing and then seeing other cards so it's been really I think it's brought my game up a lot I think playing on there Uh, being able to just play really good talent um, and get
1: games in that I wouldn't have been able to get in normally no i definitely agree i think tommy uh for people you know listening as of ours i kind of assume at this point anyone who's listening to our podcast probably is pretty well versed in the game yeah but if they aren't by chance tommy Comboy who's your uh big name on there i'm blanking out right now well you got um oh i did too They just all <laughs> left me.
2: yeah
1: uh, pressure uh, Well, <laughs> you, got,
2: you got all the still city
1: guys on benny, there benny uh, benny on oh, yeah, there benny, that's something of yeah. benny yeah benny's he almost, benny's fun to play <laughs> Right. But those guys are great. And they bring these these different perspectives to the game yeah. that you don't normally get inside your own little bubble, right? Yeah. So you come and play the game online, and all of a sudden you see these players and they're bringing, you know, cards out and, and different strategies and, and, you know, war bands that maybe take a different approach that you would take. It gives you new perspectives. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate that. And I've learned a lot since, you know, the lockdown, kind of jump in a few little clashes that I've jumped in uh, here and there. Yeah. I think I've played all, but
2: the. The tomes one or whatever it was called uh i was at the beach so i, I just kind of jumped in some of the voice channels and watched but not it's been a lot familiar, of fun to play right. in I, bigger i, tournaments say, I that you may not have been have able, not able to get into and in kept a good finger um, on the pulse with of lots of players versus of just, the you know eight community. or nine or ten I or so you know players have, so it's uh, been I've, fun.
0: I've loaded up the mod i've played a game or two i haven't quite jumped into it so um, I haven't hopped on any of the tournaments. Um, so I'd be curious to hear, Kyler, what's the uh, the biggest change from our local scene going into the vassal as the main place that we play now? Um what, what's the biggest difference that you've seen? So I think probably is
2: the the lack of aggro play. <laughs> I felt like uh, I feel like we all played pretty heavily on the aggro side. I think maybe as Americans, we just play a little bit more aggro, more Rippa's, Thundrix, um, aggro, Mantrapper versus you go into a lot of, there's a lot of control. Seems to be a lot of like tomes is pretty, seems to be pretty popular within, mm-hmm. within the vassal meta. Uh, Lost Pages, Curse Breakers. I know we kind of not shun Curse Break players, but, um, kind of, we kind of A little bit. <laughs> but you, you definitely see, I guess, what you would think of as more, more meta decks than yeah. you do mm-hmm. whereas like we were playing things like if i was going to our clash i'd bring something to deal with profiteers um i'd bring something to deal with rippers. i'd bring some something- Reavers. yeah reavers <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something you know uh, and i'm i would probably bring you know iron soul something like that for the fun of it but on there you have to get you have to get way more creative you have to bring stuff for people sitting in the back for objective play for a while, I was playing Mirror Move because I was seeing so many Thorns of the Briar Queen. So I was trying to bring Mirror Move to counter Park Lab. So mm. it's just a completely different, I, I say completely, but it's just a different different mindset you have to go into with these tournaments of versus where we were, I think, before
1: COVID hit. Definitely. And that's actually a really good insight, yeah.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say it'll be interesting to see how what you've how you've changed comes back and meshes with uh, what we've got now. Um, obviously, there's gonna be a huge difference with all the uh, new pieces that are coming out, but we'll leave that towards later. But I think just based on those changes in opponents, metas, like it's a global meld at this point. Um, it'll be interesting to see what that does to the local metas um, as it trickles back into them. Yeah, yeah it will be.
2: I- I'm interested to see if. The the decks and the the kind of the cards used within the vassal meta will trickle down into the local meta, or if you'll kind of just go back into your local meta um, uh, and have to adjust for both metas um, depending oh, on God. where you're playing. One <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, well, thing I'm wondering about. Gotta... Sorry, like one thing I'm just like this just image popped in my head. Like imagine being like that guy that just like doesn't plan any of like the online stuff. You've been sitting out this entire time right and then you, you finally come back we'll say like you know sometime in the late fall winter whatever it is we finally get back to some live games and you go into like your local store you got your new war bands with you all ready to go and then some guy comes in there with this freaking meta deck that he saw on Vassal and just like annihilate <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, yeah it'll be and, and i think too that the, the thing that's a little bit different on um what vassal i know it, and this probably is what helped my game the most or has helped my game the most is for players like me who aren't necessarily able to get every warband own every card um every player has access to every warband every card on Basil. and so players like me who are trying to build decks by piecing it together with um you know this card or that card taking cheat man's cards and stuff like that mm-hmm. now have access to the exact card they want they can i think Learn to build better decks, um, and so I think players who have been playing on there um, will come out a little stronger. They'll understand the game. They'll understand how the cards will be used against them um, as they're they're using it and
1: seeing it more. So I definitely I definitely agree. Yeah, JT, you haven't been on there.
0: I have not. Um, I've been keeping my finger on the pulse pretty tightly. I just I I haven't been able to draw myself into many games.
1: Yeah. Is it the interface, or like what, like what's turned you off from it?
0: I don't know. Um, I don't know if it's just a priority thing or what. Um, for me personally, but so I'm, I'm still on the um, the discords for the general community. I'm on the Vassal Discord. I'm on the uh, uh, online Discord, and I read the general and Vassal pretty frequently. Online, less so. Um, until it gets more in line with what the game is as a whole. Um, they're yeah. still playing catch up. I think for me like the interface is good it's not great but obviously obviously excuse me it's a volunteer effort so i, I have no complaints with what they've done with it um i think shuby is the main architect of that and um props to him for getting that out there and how well maintained and how quick turnaround he's got on it um but for me it's just a question of if i'm going to sit down at a computer and play a game i'm going to play something that i haven't he necessarily played in person as much i i think I, I i don't think i like a hybrid approach to a game like i like in-person games i like online games i don't know if i like the two intermingling so i've kind of kept those in silos i guess maybe that maybe that's it for me i'm not sure
1: are you kind of like a lurker or do you you know, like to pop in every <laughs> now and then because i've never seen you on the vassal not like trying to call you up i'm just saying i've never seen you on the vassal discord but you say you you, you keep up the pre i
0: haven't haven't joined conversations on the vassal discord i'm I'm a lurker on the vassal discord um it was more i I joined that one in hopes of getting more involved in the online gaming and i just never followed through um but in the uh underworld's one i'll I'll hop in every now and then um i i just uh enjoy watching the back and forth between a few of the uh the big players
1: um Sorry, one of the big things that I've noticed, though, ever since the lockdowns have been taking place across the world, is that the main Discord, right, like what we nicknamed the big Discord, it's just the the main Reddit Discord, which was like kind of the first big Discord for the game. it used to be very, very active. But then once the lockdown happened, I noticed a lot of traffic started to kind of funnel towards Vassal because that's where all the action was still happening. That's where majority of players were still, you know, actively gaming and stuff like that. So on their general chat, that's where majority of like all the conversation about the game is actually going on now, which I, I don't know. It was just like a little side thing to me that I found really interesting. I don't know if you guys know the same thing or not. I did because now that you've said it i don't i don't think i've jumped on that
2: discord probably since the lockdown Mm -hmm. (laughs) like i I, i've probably not i muted it um and i really haven't gotten in there to i'll get in there every
1: now and then to ask for rules questions and that's Mm -hmm. about it right it's not like say anything against the the main discord I mean, that was like a great it's a great great resource it's just simply because people are playing live games there's like this natural tendency to just go where the action is, and then where the action is, for me at least, what I've seen is is not Vassal. So, well, and yeah. I think
2: too, you're you're probably asking questions about playing within the Vassal meta. So you're not you're not just generally asking, you know, questions or talking about like the strategy or the theory you have. You're probably going to apply it to a Vassal yeah. game, or you're going to apply it to, you know, a strategy you're going to use within Vassal. I think the other thing about Vassal that I use actually the most for Vassal is I watch games while I'm at work. I just pull it up on a side window, jump in the the, the volume and jump in the chat and, and listen to them and kind of watch it. And you get to you get to see a lot of games that way and learn some things from, yeah. oh, I've never, I never thought about using that card that way kind of deal.
0: So that's one of the things I'm kind of curious of. And I don't know if this is a unspoken secret kind of situation, but um for the tournaments um i'm surprised that there hasn't been like a top table stream or something like that going on on twitch that's been covering them
2: yeah so chuby is pretty pretty adamant about not streaming
0: okay uh I,
2: it's got it's a rule i'm pretty sure within the server um i'm not i'm not quite sure the reason i think i think maybe it has something to do with legality or something but i i'm not not a hunt don't quote me on it but yeah there's there's because i think they asked about it last asshole flash and he just came out and said no we're not we're you're not allowed to do
1: that if you do it you'll be kicked kind of thing i saw uh, i saw today like i randomly just jumped on the Bass discord because i saw he was actually live streaming uh, a game that was being played between i think tommy and, and benny oh really excuse me yeah he was uh he's he's live streaming that but i don't think it's any it's not going to turn into anything like you're going to find on YouTube, you know what I mean, yeah, just because of yeah. legality issues behind it, which understandable, you know. Yeah. Excuse me want I mean, crack open this beer.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Picking up right where we left off. I'm actually
2: out from the weekend, so I can't. I, I drank way too much this weekend. How are you? So. Out
0: of, how, how do you ever run out of beer? That's just poor planning.
2: Well, <laughs> <laughs> when you drink more than you planned to, you know, than you bought and you planned, you just kind of. You run out. That's how it works.
1: <laughs> you know, you're just so thirsty. You're just so thirsty all the time. Yeah. I mean drink well, so everything. The, the problem for me is that
2: I've been drinking these like light beers that are like you know. Oh yeah. yeah. That that I can just drink all day long, start in the morning and drink till the evening. No, dude. So, no, dude, you know. I'm drinking outdated. IPAs. I'm drinking IPAs over <laughs> yeah, here. Those are disgusting. Sixty-five and uh, and plus percent. <laughs> Just do, a, just do a bud light platinum at that point
0: whatever <laughs>
1: come to me when you get some dragon's milk <laughs> oh my god was it like nine percent or something like that i
0: think it's double digits it's And there's, insane. There's,
1: there's golden monkey too right that one's yeah. like
0: nine percent yeah uh, I, i'm not a big fan of golden but i love sour monkey
1: we can talk about beer all day, but we're not here to talk about beer. We're here to talk about Warhammer Underworlds, the game that we love. And uh, speaking of which, there's been a lot more uh, developments in the game outside of just Vassal, right? Uh, one of the big things that we kind of need to retroactively go back and talk about, just at least for a moment is the update to the far list, right? The the forsaken and restricted list. We're not going to beat this, you know, dead horse because I think a lot of other content creators already went over this stuff and people have already listened to stuff and good on them. They have some great content out there. If you want to check out more in-depth analysis, go and check out and there are a plethora of, of content creators stuff out there but what are your guys's like wave top uh you know reactions to what you've seen with the updated far list from about i think it was two months ago now
0: so the biggest takeaway for me is thank god they finally started individual faction card pullouts so i i know we've talked about it on the podcast previously but it's been a while for our listeners so as a refresh we've been calling for something of this variety for a long time because Um, And I think Kyler can definitely test some of this because when he first picked up the game, he was an avid Eyes of the Nine player. The constant nerfs to magic because curse breakers were so powerful hurt Eyes of the Nine and just kept driving them even into more obscurity so now that they've broken that seal they've started looking at faction specific cards for forsaken and restricted um i think it opens up a whole new avenue that um the balance well it's going to get more complex um because you're going to track things not just universally but in faction um i think that it's going to be good in the long run because everybody can be on an even footing i mean we're gonna have the seasonality stuff sure but um the fact that Eyes of the Nine could bounce back from a Curse Breaker's nerf because of how they change that interaction. Could be huge. We haven't seen it, but it could be.
2: Well, I Warner. think it. I think it's the best way to balance the game. You know, like you said, you're not just nerfing magic. You're specifically nerfing the warband that's abusing it, um, and it, it leaves Jathari's and uh, Eyes of the Nine and anybody you know, any other warband that has a has a wizard uh, with the chance to actually try to do something magic if you wanted to
1: yeah i definitely agree i think i think targeting faction specific cards is 100 the right route to go and it always surprised me how you know the community sits here and we talk about what they should do what they should not do blah blah all of a sudden they all suddenly actually make action right they, they come out with a new far list or whatever it is and also everyone's like, oh yeah, that's why we just think of that. Like, I'm sure some people have, but I know I'm not like a brainiac. So I definitely don't think these things right off the bat. <laughs> so when I see them come out with like, you know, they're going to target faction specific cards, it's like, oh, that's genius. <laughs> you know, I'm really happy they did that. I'm very, very excited for this. So I'm happy and with it overall. Yeah, I did it pretty effectively, too. Um,
2: I think the the nerf to Man Trapper, I mean, I, I saw him being played
0: every day. To seeing him rarely played, it seems like. Uh, so on that note, um, I'm I'm curious on what you guys think of this one, because now that we've gotten the first thing that we want, we're gonna go for the next thing we want, right? Um, and the next step that I'm gonna question is, now that you have restrictions on, and uh, I don't think they have forsaken any uh, faction cards, but we, the door is open for um, any action on any card. What? where do we go or how do we get to having faction specific restrictions so um i think the the hrothgorn uh, mentioned by kyler is what poked out to me so um hunter's reflexes just got forsaken Mm -hmm. like just slammed down um but nobody else was running it other than hrothgorn because of his ability that makes everybody quarry um and so when in that next iteration of balance are we going to see that it's forsaken only for hrothkorn or are we going to or is it going to be restricted for hrothkorn um are we going to see that kind of delicate balance i think it could definitely um, improve the power level inequalities but does that make the game too inapproachable for folks i think it does kind of
2: once you have all these extra like Specific warband restrictions, where like this warband can take this, this warband can take can't take this, or you know it takes up two restricted spots, something like that, or anything. I think you, I think you lose kind of some competitive audience with it, um, and it stops players from, I guess maybe like jumping in a competitive scene because there's just all these extra rules you have to get around or something. Right.
1: Yep. I don't know if that really answers the question or not, but it
0: does. Yeah, no,
1: it absolutely does. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think once you get into the point where like, you're picking, choosing what cards warbands can play and which ones they can. The other ones can not play, them, uh, you know, they can't. You get into this micromanagement stage where it becomes too tedious for new players to jump in. And it's just, it's too much. It, it's, they are encumbering, like, the, the new players coming in have so much already to, to wrap their head around. And now all of a sudden you're going to throw them this extra curveball saying, oh yeah, because you're playing that warband means you can't play this, this and this card, but they can. therefore you need to learn that card even though you can't play blah, blah, blah. So it adds it this extra level of complication. I think it's unnecessary that I think right now with the faction specific restrictions, and they could they could possibly take even you know, a little step further saying that, you know, we'll say, uh, Proth-Gorn, just for example, because he's like pretty power, powerful warband right now he's only allowed two restricted cards versus yep. three restricted cards for their ones. Like that's an extra level that we may or may not have to take, but that's at least like another step we could before we have to go all the way down to saying, you can take this card and you can't take that card. And, but at least like restricting the faction specific cards helps alleviate that pressure that I think as a community, we were already feeling and stuff on the right route. And, you know, I like it a lot. Yeah. Um, I hope that's, I hope that's all that we need to do. Well, and I, I don't think they've
2: necessarily banned any cards that weren't, you know, I, like, you know, the the one they banned for for Man-Trapper because of Man-Trapper. He was the only one taking it and it just made him it made him ridiculous and it it caused him to stop pretty much any other player's reaction after they they
1: activated. So, I'll, I'll just interject inject here and say that JT was playing that card with his Rothgore deck last uh clash that we had at gigabytes back when we actually had live games and I beat him with my Skaven. <laughs>
0: that was more of a dicing than a you overcame the odds.
1: Oh, I just got rubbing it in. Let's
0: got rubbing it in. <laughs>
2: Bringing up old wounds there, man. Oh, I
1: got Reload the Glory, dude. This is the first time we've hung out in don't, friggin' forever.
2: Don't, don't make me bring up Narvia then. I, I can
1: <laughs> if needed. <laughs> oh, touche. Oh, God, no. Keep Narvia out of this. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Well, so so that's where we are with the far list. But there's obviously been even bigger developments since then, i.e. new war bands finally coming out. We've been waiting forever. Understandably so. But still, it feels like it's just been a long time coming. Super excited about it. But JT, you got some of the cards pulled up, man. you want to start going through all the, the new cards and we'll give our hot takes on them?
0: Oh, I, I, I had not pulled single cards out. Um, <laughs> the one thing that I had uh, kind of highlighted to talk about was token play for Morgok's Crushes. Definitely. So they are... I, I, I know they're a three-person warband which is relatively struggled in our meta, um, from what Kyler describes it might not be the case in a global version, but um, with the WAG counters I think this warband is going to play very different than anything else we've seen. Um, they want to be super aggressive. They have the tools to hit super hard, but they're going to be hamstrung by how slow they are and how hard it is going to be to get them, uh, that inspiration condition or those counters that they need to be fed. And I know that a lot of their faction cards are counter specific, but is that going to be viable? I I guess that's my big question. Like, I love the idea. I, I want to see it
1: play out though. Kyle, you've had, I think, a little more experience than some of us recently. Uh, do you have any personal experience with them so far?
2: I've played, I think I've only played about four games with them. Um, and I, I think they're, there's a lot of potential. Um, I think they probably, in, in my opinion, are going to be the easier to play Warband of the two new ones. Um, but I think I think the fact that they've got some in-faction holding objective cards... Um, and you can bring, uh, some of the newer hold objective cards. I think, I think you'll be able to flex pretty well. Um, if you play your objectives right and where you place them, I think you'll, you'll be able to play really well into maybe one or two run up and jump on an objective while one goes for the kill. And then, you know, the next turn, another one goes for the kill and the other two are, you know, Vice versa, depending on what you're doing with them, but they're they're really they're really tanky, which is, I think, different than any of the other three-man warbands that we have. They have five
1: wounds each versus four. It's fif- and, fifteen wounds for people yeah. to chew through versus yeah. twelve with like any other elite warbands, most of them and, at least. And like chew through
2: being like you're gonna have to hit them and you don't want to get close to them kind of deal. But w- related to the counters, I think. I think you are gonna have to spend a lot of your if if you want to use the counters if you want to play aggressive and do their things i think you're gonna have to bring a lot of in faction cards to get those counters on which there's a lot of good ones there's a lot of easy ones you can get the counters up there uh, pretty crazy Um, especially if you want to use the one that you roll uh, a magic dice for Um, you you can get their counters up pretty easy and you can get them inspired pretty quickly Um, but it'll be It'll be interesting to see what people do with them if they play them um, full aggro or if they kind of jump into this objective holding
1: aggro. Now, that's also something I was really like trying to wrap my head around them because I mean, I know I've kind of hinted on like our little local Discord that you know, I've been. Developing a deck and stuff, but it actually hasn't been with either the two new war bands I've been kind of retroactively going back to some of the older war bands and playing with some stuff I think is really really interesting And my personal hot take on the new stuff that's coming out is there's some awesome possibilities out there but with that said I still haven't jumped into the new orcs right the crushes and i haven't jumped into the blade coven yet which is hearsay because or, or uh, heresy because uh, i'm such a fan of fast aggro and i feel like the blade coven should fit right into that but, but yeah jt yeah, what you, blade i, I blade, am man? a little bit
2: surprised matt that you haven't <laughs> jumped into them because well, they've, kinda, they've <laughs> got that mix of like reavers with um the hunt and um that you like so they're, they're they're a really interesting warbear because I think there's there's a lot you can do with them, and I think they have some really cool um, aspects to them. And so they just have lots of options, but they're also made of glass essentially. Um, it is kind of like having, you know, if you if for those who have played Eyes of the Nine, it's like having a bunch of the twins running around. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> and so you know how fast they die. Yeah, they'll uh,
0: die fast, but they'll hit much harder than the swords. Oh, yeah. Let's be honest oh, here.
2: The, the the lady with the whip, she can she can bring some people down. Um, she can she can destroy some people.
0: Um, I I, I know we want to focus on the orcs first, but on the the elves, I just want to say that their sprue color is the most beautiful sprue color GW has put out yet. I
2: actually have a plan for painting them. I'm thinking about doing like uh, Wakanda ladies. <laughs> and uh having the maybe maybe taking their hair off and making them all like bald and, <laughs> and doing the whole uh black panther style uh nice. lady
1: fighters that would so. be sick that would be awesome you definitely i see that
0: um but so back on the uh, crushes um i get I, I think one of the things that's going to require an immediate um errata or faq of is how you spend your tokens um cuz so i know that there i'm trying to remember and i can't off the top of my head and i can't scroll fast enough um to get through all the cards but there's one card that or one objective that is uh it, can't remember it's a surge or a uh, end of phase but score this if you've uh, spent so many tokens and so my question is um, for all of these to a minimum of one can I spend four tokens to reduce your whatever by three
1: so you might be thinking of Wa unleashed scores in an end phase if you remove four or more WA to- uh counters from so yes. many fighters cards in a that previous phase I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know. Uh, so say that again, just because I'm trying to wrap so, my head around with your question.
0: Yeah. So um let me pull up the cards real quick.
2: I, I think what you're you're kind of asking JT is like the the cards that say spend a up to one to bring down one damage for each one you spend, can you spend over what damage would be coming in?
0: Exactly, so um, Berserk Fortitude. So reaction, play this during an attack action that targets a friendly fighter before the deal damage step. Remove any number of walk counters from that fighter's card. The attack action has minus one damage for each counter removed to a minimum of one. So the phrasing doesn't imply that you can only remove counters to take it down to one. It just says that it can only be bottomed out at one. So, mm-hmm. what's what's the play there? Um, so I think that's going to need some real quick clarification. That was one of the things that caught my attention when I was first going through the cards and how tokeny
1: are. So you're saying, let's say, like for instance, uh, uh, you know, one of the orc fighters has four tokens on their card, and someone tries to attack them. You play Berserk Fortitude as reaction. And during that you remove four tokens off their card, instead of just one, right? Yeah. We're saying you remove all four of them. Can yeah, you so, score I mean, while unleashed? Is that what you're saying?
0: Exactly, like can you is the question? Because um, we haven't had this situation where there's an advantage to overspending on a resource because our resources have been so set in stone as mostly cards. There's a few tokens out there this season as it's a new mechanic this year or this yeah this year, um, but we haven't seen it in this light yet. So I want to see how they envisioned it from the rule set because I think well rare um, it could be possibly open to abuse.
1: Well Berserk Fortitude says uh negative one damage for each counter removed. So therefore if you remove four counters you can, you know, mathematically reduce that by four damage as long as you get down to ne- negative one. So like I see what you're saying, like let's say like it's a two damage attack. Right. Mm-hmm. And therefore you reduce it by one for the first counter, but then you have three more and you just decide to like drop those two yeah you can only get negative you know you only get down to one damage but still you remove four counters is that what you're saying
0: yeah exactly yeah I, it gets like we're gameism like, there yeah yeah so is that a legal strategy or not um i think there's gonna be some debate on it until there's a clarification
2: yeah. well i think you you might want to in some instances in case there's a reaction within um hmm. because that it's removing the damage right by from the whole attack action so yep Whatever reactions happen within that attack action, you're still, you know, maybe bro- maybe they drop a card, or maybe there's a future card to come that happens where you will you will want to spend more to potentially stop the yeah. damage from those cards.
1: It's, it's possible, but I think it's really niche, right? Because oh, that's yeah. a lot of that's a lot of wild tokens. So to, and you want to use those tokens for something else too. So it might well, happen. Sure.
0: Uh, but right. I, guess, I guess like it, it, it that example is very corner Casey. Um, I'm thinking more of the well, I've spent three this round. This guy's got one. I'm getting hit, but he he's hitting me with an attack with a right. Damage characteristics of one. Can I spend this one to do absolutely nothing?
1: Right, because um, it applies to the bigger the bigger picture for other future events, right?
0: Exactly. Um, so, I, I definitely think that that's going to cause a little confusion in edge cases, and right. that's a fair analysis. Um, mm. So, that's definitely there. Um, and then on the on the flip side, there are I know one of the fighters, and there's at least one ploy that is um, you can use tokens to up your damage characteristic, and so I think that this isn't uh, rules. Uh, gray area, but that's going to be very interesting in um, mingling with things like Potion of Constitution, because you can you can up the damage to overcome it, or you can um, do it before and you can make them judge whether it's worth it. It's going to be an interesting play back and forth. I think that's going to bring a definite uh, poker aspect to
1: that interaction. There's a lot of reactions with this warband. I think with both warbands, actually, there's a ton of reaction cards. And that's obviously, I mean, reactions, I think, are the most complicated part of the game. So as a top level player, you're going to have to be very well in tune with where those reactions lie, where the reaction windows are and, you know, what blocks what, you know, what can what can do this for you, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, I think, no, I definitely think you, you have your finger on the pulse there. There's something there to be, to, to, to look at. So that's pretty
0: cool. Um, one other note on the number of reactions um, that as I was reading through a lot of the reaction cards they are getting better at narrowing down the window mm-hmm. so at the beginning of the season we saw they introduce the diagram of the phase of this, this, this and even into subcomponents within the attack and now you see things like play this during an attack dot 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 before the drive back step so it is like almost crystal clear at which happens so you have before steps you have after steps and we're getting to a very well-defined reaction windows um, which mm-hmm. is definitely something they struggled with prior to this season even this warband uh, it hadn't been great definitely. now if we could just get the art to not
2: all look the same so you could tell which card was which and what at reaction you were gonna use that would be
0: great that's But what point play. is there to all art at that point I mean how, <laughs> how else they get your money by through events oh that's true that's true so all right. Um, should probably switch over to the Blade Govern as well to cover a little bit of their playstyle, their cards,
1: and things like that. Well, I mean, honestly, like, with the with the Orc stuff, I mean, just just to go back just a little bit, like, it's really interesting how they released these two warbands as the last two warbands. I think there's a little bit of echoes there from Season 1, there's a little bit of echoes there from Season 2, but they kind of saved the best for last, right? We had um, the Farstriders and uh, uh, Magoras Fiends in Season 1. Did you just had. call the Farstriders the best for last? Well, I mean, there's a lot of players. <laughs> I can't play them very well, but there's a lot of players that play them really well. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm good with them. I'm saying other people are. <laughs> but Magor's fiends definitely were strong back in season season one. And actually, no, I'll take that back, JT, because back in season one, <laughs> no other warbands really had season. Uh, uh, sorry, range three attacks besides Striders. Am I correct? I'm trying to think now, actually. <laughs> I don't think so. Range 3.
0: Not natively. I think... Uh, I want to say Shag'a's darts were out there. I can't remember or
1: not. Uh, yeah. I think Dart Darts came out with the F- Magor's Fiends expansion. But yeah, Shag'a's darts might have been out. I can't remember. But either way, like there really wasn't any Range 3 stuff. There wasn't. That, that just kind of swung us towards
0: swarms over the three models at that time.
1: Yeah. But then and in Season 2, you had... Um, uh, the profiteers, right? And then you had the El Salvador's Guardians. And at the time, both those warbands were extremely strong because there was so much like stuff that was coming out for magic. There was so much stuff that was coming out for ranged attacks. And both those warbands, if you remember, actually, we went into uh, the ATC, uh, the, the team tournament in in Tennessee uh, this time last summer a little bit before this last summer. And we just, I won't say we got owned because we never get owned, right? But we definitely uh, didn't <laughs> win the ATC because we weren't really prepared for the people that were taking advantage of all those different, uh, you know, war bands and uh, stuff that came out for them. So I think right now it's really interesting looking at the. I mean, Josh Corey and I did pretty well. Oh, uh, well or
0: whatever <laughs> just, just drink those sorrows away
1: man. <laughs> yeah, i'm just okay but moving on because i don't want to live in the past all right i don't live in the past <laughs> but uh with with the two new stuff that's coming out with uh, the new orcs and uh the blade coven they definitely offer a lot of new things that I don't even think the other warbands in season three have had so far. I think the orcs are just like outright the most aggro. You know what I mean? Like even even Rippa's, I don't think out aggro them. At least not initial, you know, view. And then the Blade Coven, they have such a flex capability that I'm not even sure that you know maybe well obviously the Grimwatch watch i think were over tuned when they originally build them so i think they have a very good capability to flex them but since the restrictions since the far list have come out you know and updated i think blake Coven probably probably the most flexy at the moment as far as season three goes so it's kind of interesting to see them both come out at the very end
0: it it definitely is, um, and on that note, I I, I don't want to spoil conversation, but um, there's a certain card uh, having to do with objective holding that definitely feels like it was designed for Grimwatch, um, and might have been one of the reasons that, that the fire hit them um, other than their current meta status, um, a little harder than seemed proportional um, because uh, of the doors that would have opened. Um so I think this is another insight into um, the season design perspective and the release order and how that plays. It's interesting to see um, retrospectively uh, how the designers plan the stage of the cards, like what universals would and would not help what war bands, um, and thus in which release were they packaged Did they come out before the war band, with the war band, after the war band, and then watching the reactions of the community and the designers, uh, through the far and the errata, um, before and after everything hits and it's been used and abused. Um, so as a total games rule nerd, that has brought me much excitement. Um, and so I, I think they are improving, but there's definitely still room. And whether the time span um, that some of these had been out there and overused before they got changed is that uh pandemic related possibly um so i i, I can't say for sure and i can't judge the d- design decisions based on around everything that's happened this year because it's been hell for everybody um you know chaos has been sown in everything from manufacturing to jobs and all that so um we we don't have a crystal clear idea and we can't even presume this year with stuff, um, but it's it's definitely one of the finer aspects of critiquing the releases is watching those plays as they co-mingle with the previous ones.
1: I definitely agree. Kyle, you got anything to put?
0: I I think you're you're speaking
2: about like glorious triumph, JT, right? Um yeah, glorious, I I I think glorious triumph two is also probably designed for just about all the objective warbands with. It is interesting to see it come at the end of, of the season when all, also all the destructive stuff comes out. Mm-hmm. And so I think that gives, it kind of levels out the play for there may only be two objectives left on the board and Glorious Triumph gives people still the ability to score supremacy um, yep. and, and things like that. Also gives a good hard counter to uncontested which was running pretty rampant i think through uh a lot of a vassal it seemed like yeah and a lot of the games i played you just i was getting so annoyed with that card you always had to be on an objective at the end yeah
1: Dude, i love that card i think it's a great card <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: just a well-designed card it is until you're playing malog and you know you've got <laughs> one freaking fighter that can get on an objective. Um, and that back, you know
1: what's the uh, slag? Sh- uh, no, sorry, the spite shroom. Spike shroom.
2: Yeah. but you can't hold anything unless you put the upgrade on him. So none of the other fighters in Moloch can hold objectives without an upgrade.
0: That's true, but now you have a one turn. Your warband can hold
2: two. Uh, the, the the one contingency to it. Zach brought it up in our in our Discord is the you do have to be adjacent when you make the kill. Yes. Um and. It, it i think it's a good counter card from all if you want to bring it if you expect to go up against um objectives um but i don't I, I looked at it and i've actually tried it i don't think it works with like path to victory or anything i think you just you have to have the two at the same exact time plus make the kill adjacent mm-hmm. i think limits if you're going to play that style that's a side tangent but i think i think glorious triumph coming out with all the destructive play um kind of seems um, seems
0: like a good time for it to come out that's definitely true I, i i agree with that and i think i know this is stepping back a few sentences um but i definitely think that in anything that has a season and staggered releases whether it's um magic whether it's an online card game um hearthstone um whether it's underworld anything that has that type of competitive scene with the rotations and the designers know it um i think it's a very popular trend to put the most powerful cards in the last piece of the season so they will be in rotation the least um is what i've observed the least
1: that makes sense yeah dude i really think that some of these new releases i think play very well into the current uh metas that were already you know prevalent i think past of victory uh you have you know glorious triumph like plays beautifully in that card, right? I think Path to Victory, to me, was the, my favorite card of the season because it's so well-balanced. It's a two-glory objective that actually makes you interact with your opponent. And it's, it's I don't know, to me, it's just a great card. Um, Glorious Triumph plays very well into that but also opens up a couple of doors for uh, some weird interactions. I don't think the game designers really intended. One of them being, uh, I know we've talked about this on our discord, which is the uh, coveted spoils argument and then uh, uncontested argument too. So like if you, you know, if let's say like all the objectives are destroyed, right? Can you score coveted spoils if glorious triumph is in play? I don't think you can. But it's still up for debate. It's just one of these weird interactions. Um, can you score uncontested uh, if glorious triumph is in play? I think you can, or sorry, can, I'm sorry. I think you cannot if you like the opponent's trying to score uncontested and you have glorious triumph. But still, it's like it's one of these weird cards. Like I don't really know. So these new cards are awesome, but there's definitely going to have to be some, you know, some retroactive. Um, you know looks at them from the game designers answers some questions about them in the faqs and clarify a few things but once that all happens man like i'm really happy with what's come out so far pressing blow what do you think about that card i know it's been a, a topic uh, that people have been debating recently and it's come to light that there is this weird interaction where both fighters have pressing blow uh, equipped to them and they enter like this weird like endless loop where they're both reacting to each other's attacks you know yeah yeah so what do you think the, about uh, that
0: We're going to hit the recursive limit.
1: (laughs) I think it's kind of,
2: uh, it scared me off from using the card. (laughs) In all honesty, I I thought it was a great card, but I just, if everybody's running it, then it's a dead card kind of thing.
0: I I don't know if it's going to be a dead card. Um, Obviously, it's going to be a hard one to deal with uh, with that interaction being unclear. I think it's going to be super powerful for anybody that's got scything off of a combo, though. So, like the, uh, the, the Hungering Skaven. Interaction with it could be hilarious.
1: Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Uh, we have the Vassal Clash 4 coming up, which I want to, like you know, jump too far ahead, but that's going to be September tw- uh, 12th to the 13th. Um, so if anyone wants to jump on that and Vassal, go ahead and do it. It's going to be a lot of fun. But, uh, Jimmy, um, who's a pretty active member in the Vassal community, he's running and He's going to be the TO. And recently he put out a ruling, uh, ahead of time to get everyone heads up but he's decided you know as to he's decided side that pressing blow does not allow any reactions outside of a combo attack uh, for uh, reactions uh, in, in response to that to that you know that attack action which basically nullifies any possibility of like the pressing blow loop which are going to hit which is going to have to be a, addressed by the game designers and you know answering the faq or whatever i was gonna say
0: i mean I, I appreciate that he is being proactive about it before a major event like that because i mean attendance for those has been pretty big so i know it's gonna it would be a confusing issue but i mean he in in that particular ruling you've just killed the card because it's a it's a one range one sword one damage attack that can't be modified um you can modify the damage but not the dice
1: well outside of combo right so if you have combo equipped to that fighter he can make a reaction from combo uh in in reaction to the prescient you know prescient blow attack so yeah it is still alive right it is still like very much a, a relevant card it's just simply you can't get into like this weird instance where you get pressing blow equipped to you. Someone attacks you. You also have uh, duelist speed. We'll say attack attached to you. So if someone attacks you, you react with pressing blow, and then all of a sudden you react from that attack with uh, duelist speed, and you move away. And it's just basically another quick thinker kind of situation from season one. And it's just it gets it gets rid of all the gameisms and all that like cheese stuff like that. So like I think this is what like the rule as intended was supposed to be but rules as written he's not right correct like you know what i mean like he's not he's not really following the rules as written stuff but it definitely is what's best for the game and i agree with the ruling overall so i'm really excited to you know play it play a tournament myself that's gonna have that in play
0: yeah framing it in terms of um, the you can move after because the reaction window is before the attack that definitely does make things harder, because how does that play with range? Because I, I, it's a weird interaction. I have to go through it step by step, because I think even if you move out of range for the attack, because the uh, reaction window for prescient blow is before the attack roll, you've already checked the range, so you're not out of range at that point. Like, the range doesn't get checked again. So it's, it's a weird thing that your range becomes infinite in that window that it happens. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm not playing it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is when cards get to be in like that. I'm
2: just like, nah, I'm good. I, <laughs> I, I do, I do appreciate Jimmy coming out. You know, almost essentially a month before the tournament, and letting people know, hey, if you're gonna include this in your deck, and I think Jimmy last time he to dropped it, his own kind of personal um, FAQ list because we didn't have one we had gone so long without one and there were just some some questions that needed to be answered and it wouldn't surprise me if he he did it again with some of these new cards um glorious triumph being one um and and he's a really smart guy a really good player so i I tend to trust whether i agree or don't agree with his rulings that they're they're there for the heart of the game you know to make the game a better
1: more enjoyable tournament Mm mm-hmm No, I definitely agree. I think that he's doing the right thing there. Are there any other like big uh, universal cards or anything you want to touch on? Like, I know the whole Feed the Beast Grave thing is like a new play style. I think you have aggro. That's
0: the all objectives are gone?
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I think it kind of opens up like a route for a different type of play style now. Because you have aggro, you have, you know, control, you have uh, hold objective, you have magic. Now there's even a whole new archetype which is just destroy tokens right destroy objective tokens because well, not worried... even just
2: destroy them though i mean like for for feet the beast grave it's destroy them but like in general for all the other surges that came it's also just flipping them so flipping them back to objectives flipping them to right lethals yeah
0: yeah i think one of the the, the things that has i i don't think it's been addressed in any of the erratas or faqs to this point that with that playstyle being introduced as a big glory scorer um, is going to be how do you count zero objectives on the board so um there are a couple of them that are uh, i can't remember the one but Yothari's loved it it was the hold all the objectives in one player's half well if there's zero objectives can you hold all objectives I, I want to say that kind of dress but I don't remember for sure and it's gonna if it was a dress it was specifically around that card and it needs to be made more global because that's gonna get really interesting
1: I don't know yeah I think it's gonna be a lot of interactions we're gonna see over the next couple months they're gonna kind of you know come to fruition we're gonna see how these cards play out you know I think pretty cool so far though I'm really excited to see how the rest of the season plays out I know I've been messing around with the avatar the urgrub um mm-hmm you know, trying to make that work. Which another really interesting thing about the Avatar the Urgrub, uh, is that there's only three upgrades and you have to have all three of them on your fighter. So it's three out of three, which makes an interesting situation. It's not like um, you know, the the lost pages where it's like score one glory per lost page or the um uh, of the Catherine tomes where it score one glory per tome. Here it's like you have to have all three or none so it opens up this route where like you have to get to all three of those cards which means you have to have a really good card draw or some type of mechanism to get to that card right what like bag of tricks or something like that mm-hmm. so so it's it's a new way of like trying to look at the game or like another strategy and i like all these like little like kind of ways we're diverting from these main strategies to get to other things that still have big glory payoffs that make it worth going down those routes, like these little rabbit holes. So I'm really enjoying this, you know, his last two uh, expansions with the universal cards and the things that they're introducing. I hope we keep going down that route. I 100% agree with that.
2: I think my favorite card in the game has uh, officially come out now, which in, is uh, Blind, Blind Hunger. Oh yeah, Uh, that one's you just you roll you know magic die on a on a lightning strike. You get to just randomly discard someone's card, and and the fu sauce that is in that card is just so juicy.
1: Oh yeah. Well, the thing is that about that card that the only warband that could really benefit from it is uh, Curse Breakers because it's it's a one for one card, right? You have one you know gambit card that forces your opponent to lose one of their gambit cards, which could In a certain situation, be a minus, you know, a very like slight plus because you can pick like a very key card they were about to play, right? But most of the time, it's going to be like a random card for a random card, and you don't really benefit that much from it. But if you can also get outside benefits from it, such as curse breakers, like inspiring or like working towards an objective, that's really big. So it's a cool, cool card to say "f you" to your opponent. But. <laughs> well, I think I think
2: the fun of it too is like the if you Joey, who is a guy from Australia, I play with him a bunch. Yeah. Um, he likes the idea of potentially running the foresight card. I forget what it's called where you get to mm-hmm. reveal one of your opponent's cards. Yeah. And then potentially kind of know, is it worth, you know, you just kind of get that one card, maybe, you know, maybe in real life, in a real game, psychologically, you kind of watch their hand, see where they put it back, that kind of thing, try to pull it out. Um, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's cheating or whatnot, but um, I would definitely be shuffling my cards before, but I think the potential to maybe draw um, out somebody's, you know, sting of the grub and prevent them from scoring the avatar and if you're throwing it in, like, you know, in Eyes of the Nine, where you're trying to go for, um, you know, the, the two cast four spells cards, that one's an easy enough one to passively cast that could potentially give you some really good benefit. I definitely
1: agree. I definitely agree there. Well, cool, guys. I think we've kind of wrapped up as far as much as we can with talking about the new warbands, new universals, like that. Is there anything else that we haven't touched on yet?
0: I think uh, you already touched on the Vassal vassal Clash, but um, I'll I'll plug it out there because as a TO in withdrawal, um, September 12th and 13th, um, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, so uh, UTC minus 4. Uh, is the next one. Um, It'll be four rounds, championship format, lots of fun stuff. I don't know if there's a good way to get you all a link to join the uh, Discord server if you want to hop in there, but if you're not in there, um, ask in one of the big servers, ping us on Facebook. Just want to reinforce that that prompt. Uh, I can't promote any of my events, so I'll I'll help another
1: TO out. I agree, man. Warhammer Underworld's online. Um, and they're about to drop the eyes of the nine as like a little uh, DLC. So if you like Warhammer Underworlds Online, definitely download that. I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, I've enjoyed it for a good bit. I think it's definitely dropped off recently, but you know we'll see. This kind of brings it back up. But on that, you know, I'm looking forward to getting back out there, playing some games there. One, we have to take things in stride. We cannot, you know, uh, you know, jump the gun and, and try to you know, force things or anything like that, like take everything as they come. But to say the least, I'm definitely looking forward to getting back to some form, some form of normalcy and actually be able to play games with everyone. The Basket Clash 4, uh, so September 12th to the 13th online. That's really like the biggest things that I see coming up on the horizon. Besides that, JT, you got anything for us?
0: So I know that locally in our Discord, we've thrown around the idea of meeting up outside and playing since uh, it's supposed to be a little bit better there. Um, But I I, I think this is the perfect time for any uh, renewal developers out there to make a card deck app that uh would let you play without the physical cards so you don't have to worry about the wind blowing that shit around um j- just gonna throw that out there might you sense uh, if i had more time to devote to it i'd i'd do it
1: but that makes a lot of sense definitely well so. cool guys i think we meet and we've uh, kind of met the end of what we have to talk about today thank you so much for joining us thank you so much for sticking in there and uh I really am grateful for the fact that we have the opportunity to actually sit here and, you know, BS about the game that we love and nerd out like we do. Um, yeah, sign definitely. off for now, man. Well, JT, that, actually, go for it, man.
0: As I say, now that we've broken the uh, proverbial non-in-the-same-room seal, let's uh, l- let's not go six months again um so yeah so on that note uh this has been the crit def podcast with matt jt and kyler um unfortunately cory wasn't able to be with us but he'll be with us in spirit as he edits this anyway
1: um <laughs> <laughs> which is going to be like at least like in our three weeks before it comes out
0: <laughs> oh god um cory don't kill us um or hate us so, yeah, so Saturday, uh, this coming Saturday, the new Warbands are dropping, and in a few weeks, hopefully, we'll get have another get together, sit down, and see how things have actually played out. Um, may or may not be, for, be before that Vassal Clash, just to see what the meta's gone, but uh, definitely going to be interested to see it and talk to you guys later. Um, as usual, if there's anything that you have that you want us to try out, talk about, just some random idea you have, feel free to hit us up on Facebook. Um, we are under Crit Death Podcast. Uh, we are also um, on podcast at gmail.com. Um, so, yeah. So, feel free to hit us up. And we look for- forward to hearing from you. Sorry.
1: End of the episode. Too many beers. <laughs> Never too many beers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. Take care.